All right, welcome back to another edition of the Cats Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host and publisher, Justin Rowland. Again, I'm joined by David Sisk. And David, as you know, is a very popular man at the site these days. And he's also the man who challenged me to step up to the plate and make this podcast happen at least once a week. Well, this is the third podcast that we'll have done as a site in the last week, and it's the second I'll have done with David. So, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to see you get this going. I know you were on uh, uh, the football podcast. It was great, and uh, I'm just fired up to see you do it. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of people are in fl- are kind of in full-blown football mode, but obviously a large portion of the Big Blue Nation is always going to have basketball on the brain to some degree. And, and I think earlier this week, this is a good starting point. Earlier this week, you asked some of the site's members for basketball recruiting questions to create – a mailbag with and and I would suggest people hop on the site and check that out there's a 50% off annual a new annual subscription right now you can read all of that but he got to a lot of your questions um one of the things that we talked about last week on the podcast we talked about James Wiseman Vernon Carey some big men most people know Kentucky's gonna have to replace at least three out of their four top big men next year maybe all four of them and maybe the tricky thing is uh, at what point does Cal start offering some of these guys other than Wiseman and Carey maybe risk alienating them a little bit? Um, or, or, you know, he doesn't want to be too late offering some of these other guys. So so what's your take on the strategy there? You know, for people that say that recruiting at Kentucky is easy and that there's nothing to it, and obviously – when you've got the brand Kentucky does, you can come into uh, a player's house and make an offer, and it does make a difference. But there's a lot to think out if you're a coach. I mean, like you said, you've got Vernon Carey, you've got James Wiseman. You've got to make a decision on those guys, like you said. Uh, It's really kind of like a game of chicken. You know, how long can we go before we really feel like that we have to offer another player there's really three other names right there, uh, Oscar Tewashibe, uh, Kofi Cockburn, and Aiden Ijehan. How long can you go uh, and not offer those guys but show interest? And then those are guys, from everything that I hear, uh, Kofi Cockburn would love a Kentucky offer. I mean, that means a lot to him to get one. I think if they offered him, they would get him. I talked to Eric Bossy this morning uh, through text about Oscar and just asked him what he thought there. And, and, and he feels like, you know, West Virginia is in, in tight, but Oscar wants a Kentucky offer. And, and if he gets it, you know, that it could be something that makes a difference as well. So uh, and and I don't know exactly how serious a Najihan would be, but I would have to think it's kind of like the same thing. So you've got two guys that your choice is one, and then uh, you got the one A guys behind them. You know how long do you wait? And let's say you you keep saying, all right, I'm going to watch you through the season. I'm going to see how you do at your schools. How long do you go before you alienate them? If you do offer early, does it uh, does it rub Wiseman and carry the wrong way? And I think another thing too is timing. I think Wiseman is going to be a spring, a late signing period uh, situation. It looks like Carey is going to do this thing early signing period in November. 
But here's the deal, and I don't have the dates in front of me, but let's say you have a one-week window, and just for example, it goes from November 8th to November 15th. What do you do if you're sitting around and you say, okay, we're going to wait this thing out, and it's November 13th, and Carrie says, okay, I'm going to decide here in the next 48 hours. You know, does he go to the last day in early signing period, and your original strategy was, look, if Kerry doesn't go to Kentucky, then we're immediately going to offer one of these guys, you know, and would they announce or decide before Vernon Carey decides? So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Don't you think that Wiseman and Carey have to know that they're not going to be the only guys that Calipari goes after? Like, they have to look at this front court and say, Montgomery, Richards, Washington, Travis. We know Travis is gone. We, we're very confident they're going to pretty much be starting from scratch in the front quarter. That has to be the working assumption. Why does it make so much of a difference, do you think, if they were to t- offer somebody like Kofi Cockburn? Would he really scare one of those guys off? Or I mean, do, do you think that that's overblown at all? Well, that's what Eric Bossy said. He said, you know, if you're a number one, number two guy, don't get scared off. And it's it's funny you said that because that's exactly the point that Eric made. Uh, I don't know that it would scare them off, but, man, these guys have got egos. I mean, they've been told they're they're the best players all along. They're ranked highly. They're ranked higher than these other guys. Uh, They've got egos. Do they see it? I don't know necessarily as being scared. I don't think that's the case. Do they see it as a slight? Uh, who, I mean, how important is it that they go to, to the place that, you know, in recruiting caters to them the most? So you never know how a, a, a young man and his camp, how they're going to see that. The other thing is this. Um, I know uh, Tyrese Maxey, and I talked to him last spring, he said that Caleb Perry told him he was going to go back to the dribble drive offense. Yeah. If he goes dribble drive, you're looking at four perimeters, two guards and two wings around one post. If you go to that, you don't need four posts. Yeah. You know, you're playing one post on the opposite baseline, the opposite block. When you penetrate and you draw the post to you, he goes opposite the ball. Once you draw his help, you kick to him and he finishes faced up of either a layup or a dunk. And uh, so when you have those uh, a situation like that, you know, I don't think you need any more than three. Let's say one comes back, uh, you probably don't sign any more than two. So they've already got, you know, three perimeters that they've recruited or have committed, rather. What happens if they get another one? You know, if they get a Scotty Lewis, if they get somebody else, you know. And, and let's say, like I said last week, they've got three point guards. I think one of them's going to come back. I don't think all three will go pro. So one of those guys come back, you've got three coming in. Let's say a, a Tyler Hero stays and you sign another one. There's six perimeter players right there. Uh, so, um, you know, and you add a couple of more, uh, you're going to have several guys floating around out there on the perimeter. If you're top heavy at that spot, you end up with seven or eight guys playing perimeter spots. You know, you may uh, that may tell you right there what they want to do next year offensively compared to a three-out, two-in, to to a four-out, one-in. Yeah, and you've mentioned that to me a couple times, how you think they might be doing the four-out thing. And Calipari, you're absolutely right. He told told Maxie that, and I think he's actually said that in a couple of different forums. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, And I I wonder how much – 
that's going to determine the way that he looks for his personnel, or I wonder if that happens based on the kind of personnel that he gets. And what you said about Wiseman and Carey is interesting. Maybe it's a situation where they want to know what school thinks they're worth the wait, what school wants wants them to think, hey, I'm worth you risking a little bit because that tells me how you feel about me. And, and here's the thing. I, Kentucky's not in a clear-cut lead. I'm, I, let me give you an example. Khalil Whitney wanted – we found out that Khalil Whitney wanted to come to Kentucky. It didn't bother him that Dante Allen, you know, was had committed. It wouldn't have mattered to Dante Allen that if they said, look, Khalil Whitney's going to, you know, could play the same spot, you know, size-wise pretty similar, could play the same spot there. He's going to commit right behind you. I don't think that would affect Dante Allen. I think that's what they wanted to do. But – uh, I now when you look at the inside, these two inside guys. I mean, Kentucky's in a bitter fight right now with Memphis for Wiseman. Um, so now you've got that, and and it looks like it's trending a little bit toward Memphis. You're 55, 45, 60, 40, uh, probably in Memphis's favor. You know what becomes the tipping point if you're Kentucky? Can you really risk that? And then you look at Kerry. Uh, you know, Kentucky is, they're in the hunt. Now, they're not the favorite. Uh, Michigan State and Duke probably have a little bit of an advantage, and like we talked about on the board. And he's from Miami. His dad played there. I, I would say Kentucky, they have a shot. When I hear everybody in recruitment has a shot, but if you had to prioritize uh, uh, schools to him, probably in the, in the order he's got them, Kentucky might be third or fourth, right. probably more like fourth right now. Right. So, Where's the tipping point if you offer somebody else where they say, "Look, I'm done." But if you're Kentucky, if you're Calipari in Kentucky, when you start saying, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, one bird in the hand's worth two in the bush," yeah, uh, you know, wh- where do we start saying, "Hey, look, we can't wait this thing out on Wiseman Carey. We we just don't think the odds look very good. We're gonna go in another direction." And you see teams do that a lot. When, when they feel like maybe the odds aren't good on a player, uh, they'll go another direction and, and offer another player. So, uh, like I said, I, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I don't think – obviously, recruiting at Kentucky has some built-in advantages, but I'm going to tell you what, you better be on top of it because if you're Calipari and assistants, and they are, they know what they're doing, but – Tell you what, man. There, there's a lot of it's like working a jigsaw. There's a there's a lot of, of pieces to plug in. Yeah, Cal is really good with his roster, both during the season, knowing who needs to be on the court. And also, anybody who's wringing their hands over this, it usually works out really well for him. And he's got a lot of options as far as um, as far as wise. Can I say? Let me yeah. add one thing too. I started with you in April. Yep. And. Since then, Calipari added not to this upcoming class. He's got what seven commitments so far since I've, I've been with you a little over four months, almost five months, and right. he's been he's already got seven, seven commitments. Four of them was on the team coming up right now, 2018. So recruiting goes along what you're starting to talk about. Guys are still around the spring. And it looks like the the uh, with Reed Travis to grad transfer thing is going to work out pretty good. 
he could be looking at a lot of grad transfers. I mean, I, there's going to be some good posts and good guards that tra- that graduate from wherever they're at would love to come to Kentucky uh, and probably adds a good uh, uh, counterbalance to a, a lot of freshmen. So, you know, that's a way to look, too. I mean, th- this recruitment for this team coming up 2019-20 is going to go on for the next eight months. Yeah, and so much we don't know yet. It seemed early on, Wiseman was clearly the guy of the top, top cream of the crop guys that Calipari, Kentucky, had the best shot at. Lately, seems like things have moved towards Memphis, at least in terms of perception. Carey, I think other people are higher on Kentucky's chances with Carey than you are and, and we are. Um, but I still I feel like at the end of the day, Wiseman is still there. Is it's still going to be Wiseman is their best shot at getting one of those top three or four players? Don't you agree? Yeah, probably so. But then again, you know, Kerry could surprise you. I, I know this. Corey Evans has said in the mailbag. I don't think it was this Tuesday. I think it was last week that uh, he was asked that question about those two, and he says I, I don't. I, so they're not going to get both of them. He said, like you, the odds are probably a little bit better on Wiseman, although it's trending Memphis. But he said he's, Calipari is too good of a recruiter. I don't think he's going to strike out on both of them. Uh, it's really weird. Corey doesn't have Kentucky as the leader for either guy, probably. But he still thinks they're going to get one of them. So, you know, that's you never know how things would go. And one thing, too, you don't know what's working behind the scenes because, you know, you get around five-star recruitment, and these guys – the circle, the inner circle, people around them. There's not any leaks. I mean, they they have everything down pat on this, and and, and there's just not a lot of, of, of idle gossip or, or or you know loose talk that gets out. Yeah. How do you? I I, I look this up. The Post Gazette says it's pronounced Oscar Shubway, so kind of like Subway, but okay, Shubway. Okay, okay. And uh, Shubway. Okay, it's gonna gotcha. take it's gonna take me about three months before I stop butchering that. But the the six foot eight. That's not too bad. That's no, not too bad. Shubway from the Congo, and yeah, West Virginia is is mentioned frequently and prominently with him. They've obviously made him a priority for a long time. He's a high motor guy. I know a while back, I think Corey Evans thought Kentucky had a pretty good shot with him if they went ahead and offered. And I know Shubway is somebody that Kentucky fans on our site are really enamored with. Like, they, they seem to like Shubway more than they like Cockburn. I, that's just what the fans seem to be expressing. What do you know about him as a player? How do you think he could fit? And, and just overall, your take on him. I've talked, I've got about three or four different people I talk about him with. And, I've, and like I said, one great thing with being with rivals is that Corey Evans and Eric Bossy are just, they're a wealth of information and they're, they're, they're really good about sharing with me and are great to fall back on. And I, I've spoken with both them in the last 24 hours, Corey last night, um, Eric this morning. And um, they tell me that you know, like you said, you know, West Virginia, he's really tight with Huggins and West Virginia. And that is a, you know, it's looked kind of like a landing spot. But I've been told that he really wants the Kentucky offer. And, if you know, West Virginia is in very good shape right now with him. But if that Kentucky offer comes, uh, it could change things uh, big time. So, uh, and 
right now, and it's like I said last week, if you'll remember, some Calipari had said uh, on the SEC Network when they were in the Bahamas that he was getting ready to take a two-week break, uh, a vacation. And I've seen uh, pictures on Twitter that he's put up, family vacation pictures. So there's not a whole lot going on right now. Uh, as far as uh, offers from him and recruiting, and, and who knows, he may be doing it from down there, but I don't think there's going to be anything earth-shattering happening while he's down there. It's going to be interesting to see how much this moves coming back, and, and, and can he really be a guy that they get on? I know people ask me in a mailbag who I thought had the chance to get the next Kentucky offer, who to be the next uh, uh, commitment, and I said Oscar. So I, and I still feel like it looks like if somebody in this class, the 2019 class, does get the next offer, I mean, there there's more communication with him from the staff than it looks like any other player. Uh, so um, I, I still think that's the case, and that's the way I'd lean. One thing I think fans are so – two things that fans are so smitten with him over with Kentucky fans – Number one, he's a Bob Huggins type of guy. And I, I find it hard uh, to, to find people anywhere. I don't care who they're, what fan base they're with, who they pull for. I, everybody likes the way Bob Huggins coaches. You don't run into anybody that yeah. says, you know, Bob Huggins can't coach. I don't like, you know, people like the way he coaches. And, and the big thing is he gets his team to play hard. And with just all the defensive energy and rebounding that they play with, and they, you know, they fight for every possession and, and every loose ball, and it's just a grind. And people really admire that with him. And they say Oscar is his type of post player. He is, he is tailor-made to play for Bob Huggins. You don't need a bigger endorsement than that. I think that's one thing. And the other, if you saw his highlight tape, they played D1 Minnesota with Matthew Hurt and Zeke Naji and Ben Carlson and just a ton of guys who are high major D1 players, especially Matthew Hurt, who's top 10 center. Man, he was – he was uh, Hurt's going in, and he's pinning Hurt, uh, you know, going to the, to the rim for dunks and layups, and he's swatting it, and, and he's dunking on people. I mean, he's dunking on guys with – 30 or 40 scholarship offers. I mean, it looked like every time he touched the ball, he hit a huge game. And when you see that highlight video right there, you're like, wow. So I think it was those two big reasons. But obviously everything that we know about him is impressive. We talk so much, and we have been talking so much about big men, and rightfully so. I think we there's just much less that we know about Kentucky's front court in the 2019-2020 season because we could see so many of those guys leaving. When it comes to the back court, I mean, they've already got Maxie. Uh, I don't know how you want to call You call Allen and Whitney wings, but there's more of a chance that guys are going to come back in the back court. I think, between Quaddy Green and Jamal Baker and, you know, maybe quickly or Hagen's, you know, doesn't play to the level that they want or they get advice that they'd be better served yeah. to come and back. And don't forget Tyler Hero. And forget Hero, Tyler Hero, Hero could come back. Yeah, I've seen some 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 suggestions that he could be a dark horse one and done, but, but it doesn't seem to be as big of a need as the front court. But who are some of the back court options you think that Kentucky – um, could be could be getting serious about or that fans should be paying attention to? I think the one right now that I hear more 
about than anybody is Scotty Lewis. Yeah. Um, and you know, and let me say this to, to people who, who listen to this, who are subscribers, to Cats Illustrated, and uh, frequent the message board. I, I get some ideas from you guys that that put people up. You know, uh, uh, you know, somebody will bring up a recruit's name. I may not have, have thought about in, in a, two or three weeks, and they'll put their name up, and I'll go check it, and and are, are able to find out some things. And you know, there's certain scenarios that go up. So you know, a tremendous source for me, just to, to try to be creative and find out some things, are what comes from the message board. And and you know, there have been some individuals that have talked in the last couple of days that that Kentucky may be gaining with Scotty Lewis. Now, I've not seen anything concrete. I've spoken with uh, guys who are, are very tight with Team Rio, with the guys who play there, with, with Antoine, with Lewis, with Ijehan, and uh, they are familiar with that area. They work in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. They know the AAU program. They've not really been able to find out anything. I've talked to Bossy and, and Evans. Uh, they're kind of in the same boat. Like I said, there, there's these there's talk going around about Kentucky really getting in a good spot with him. I've not been able, after talking to probably half a dozen people, uh, to confirm that. But it certainly is, let's say there's a possibility of that. I think it's very interesting, and, and the scenario that got brought up would be Tyrese Maxey playing the point and Scotty Lewis going to the two, which would be a di- very dynamic, a long, athletic NBA-type backcourt with those two, uh, both in the 6'4 range, 6'5 range, long, just uh, jump like a, they're off a trampoline, run like a deer in the open floor, very good offensive skill, uh, man. That that would be something really, really fun to watch. But uh, if let's say that happened, and, and there's some talk, well, maybe Calipari's talking to him about playing the two, Maxi playing a one because Maxi is type of combo. So that's a name that's out there right now. Jade McDaniel's. I'm hoping to have something up on him tonight. Uh, you know, Jaden came out in May, uh, a guard. Uh, or, or we say guard. I shouldn't say that. He's really positionless. He's about a six eight, six nine. I guess you could say a guard. Yeah. Anywhere from a two to a four. Uh, Kentucky, you know, didn't offer. He said Kentucky was uh, his dream school. I know there's some draft sites out there that's got him as the number one draft pick in the 2020 draft. But like I've said on here, Kentucky watched him in the Peach Jam. His effort wasn't very good, especially defensively. Didn't show much of a motor, really didn't show much interest to me when I was watching. And Kentucky coaches got up and left. And it was really interesting. You know, I, I kind of took some heat over that one because he ended up with good numbers. And he did it all in the final five minutes after they were up 30. Uh, and I, I've taken a little bit of heat over that. But I think the proof's in the pudding. They didn't offer. You know, we didn't even know Kentucky was interested in Khalil Whitney. Uh, they go watch Khalil Whitney. They like him. They offer. They go uh, watch Dante Allen. They like him. They offer. They went and watched uh, 
Jaden McDaniels, I don't think they were impressed, and uh, and I've stuck with it for a month. And I think I've been right. There's not been an offer, uh, but he, uh, from what I'm understanding, he is supposed to sit down uh, with his inner circle and start making some decisions tomorrow. I'm trying to find out how much uh, conversation there is right now, communication between Kentucky and 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 Jaden. Uh, and hopefully I'll have something up tonight on that question. Are they recruiting Co-Anthony? You hear Co-Anthony is going to start taking official visits, number one point guard in the country. You don't hear much about Kentucky around him. Uh, uh, so I would say right now the big noise we're hearing, Scotty Lewis. I shouldn't say big noise, but I, not even but rumors. Scotty Lewis, but – I don't think right now they probably offer another guard or get a guard commit uh, anytime soon. Something may come up. They may get one in, in uh, November uh, when early signing rolls around. But I, there's really not anybody in the, on the perimeter that I'm looking at them uh, really uh, things really going off the map with here in the next, let's say, the next two months. I think it's going to be quiet. On that front, uh, I think you'll hear them starting to get in with some 2020 guys, and I think the the big interest right now is going to be with the post. I'm so interested in how the point guard situation works out on that next team because if Quickly or Hagens were to come back, then they would obviously take the job and everything would kind of revolve around that. You know, it's always obviously a chance that Quaddy Green were, were to come back, but I think he's obviously going to be playing more off the ball. So Tyrese Maxey, you know, could – he could be, you know, the guy with the ball in his hands like that. I know we've got him at Rivals listed as a point guard, and I know some other sites obviously have him listed as a shooting guard. How do you think yeah. Maxi would play, you know, kind of running an offense with the ball in his hands the majority of the time? Well, you know, Rivals, Rivals originally, and I'm talking back as far as my two months ago, had him listed as a shooting guard. Right, yep. Uh, the number one shooting guard in the country, number two guard overall behind Coanthi. I think he'd play either way. And there was an individual on the mailbag asked me to kind of critique the three commits on what they needed to work on. And I love Maxie. Uh, I love him guarding the ball at the point. I know this. He gave Cole Anthony fits in the pitch jam because Cole Anthony is so strong. He just drives and he can use his body and leverage and puts a shoulder into somebody and he bounces off and he's able to not, uh, create space and knock down that off balance shot or five or six feet from a goal. He couldn't do that with Tyrese. Tyrese stayed in his chest. He was long. His length gave Cole Anthony problems. So he can guard the point guard. Uh, I think he could guard about uh, three positions, one through the three defensively. Uh, I think he could play either position offensively. Uh, you think he's a combo. He could play the one or the two. Uh, the thing, playing the two, how good can he shoot the ball? That's going to be the question. Here's the thing. We don't know yet because – He's not had to do it. He's one of those guys in college, in high school. He can get to the rim anytime he wants to. So uh, he's really not had that individual yet who can stay in front of him. And uh, so we don't know how well he can shoot. To play the two, he's going to have to be able to uh, to knock that outside shot down. But at the point, man, he is really good off the ball screen. He's explosive. He turns the corner. He's downhill. He's a good passer. He's a really good passer in open court. He has good vision. Uh, so, yeah, I think he could play either spot. I think he's probably a pretty good 
uh, outside shooter. We just not uh, he's just not had to do it, so we've just not seen him do it that much. It'll be interesting to see how that shot develops over the next year. That'll tell us a lot about. I think his role with the offense and what he what he's going to be able to do. But I, I, David, I want to keep this conversation short today because I know you got some stuff to do. I do as well. Let's let's do it again next week. All right. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate it. I've had a good time. Good deal. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're doing this frequently. Please stay tuned for the next episode. Hop on the site, discuss feedback is always welcome, and please rate us on iTunes if you can. Thanks a lot.